Dice Company contains fantasy violence, mature themes, and unapologetic bickering. No feelings were hurt in the making of it, but listener discretion is advised. Dice Company will always be free, but it's not free to make. Please consider supporting us on Patreon or Apple Podcasts and get access to our weekly roundtable show Extra Roll. Just follow any of the links in the show notes for this chapter. Welcome one and all to Dice Company, where a group of old friends weave tales of triumph, heroism and despair under the guise of playing Dungeons and Dragons. My name is Tom and I'll be your DM through the continuing adventures of this group of extras from the movie 28 Days Later. Group of extras from the movie 28 Days Later, please introduce yourselves and tell the audience one fun fact about your characters. 28 Days Later is a it's very recent cultural reference by our standards, isn't it? We've been on 20 years. Apologies for just missing out on the 90s. Hi, I'm Alex and I'm playing Augustus Zeno. And my fact this week to counterbalance the horror of last week's crucifixion, crucifixion fact is quite simple. Augustus loves fruit, but he despises apricots. Is this distaste for apricots a recent thing, or is that has that always been the case for Augustus? Well, I was really inspired. I feel like it's a recent thing, isn't it? Well, no, I was really inspired by your idea of living outside yourself. And in yeah. real life, I really like apricots. Like, I really like them. No, you don't. I do. Dried apricots are just absolutely delicious. And so I thought, how could I live totally outside myself? And I could be someone who doesn't like apricots. And that is a world gone topsy-turvy. It's a world inhabited by everyone else. How are you finding it? I'm finding it disconcerting. It's strange. Yeah. I mean, is it wrong that I prefer fictional you to real you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is this about the apricots or is this, does this go deeper? No comment. I know you love lore. <laughs> lore. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 you love more than lore. <laughs> you have to create that character now. <laughs> or being... Living in the actual then there West Country, it's the most obvious accent for me to do. Oh God, my brain is completely mulched by that. Okay. Hi, I'm Charlie. I play Vander Finnick. And my fun fact this week relates to something not quite as grim, I hope, as usual. Vander awakes with a smile on his broken face. For last night, he had a dream which carried him back to happier times. He saw again the adored wooden horse that he had as his childhood companion. He watched it prance, champ, and affectionately nuzzle the hand of someone he hasn't thought of in years. Torin Goldstone, a childhood friend and fellow noble who shared his dreams of becoming a soldier one day. The dream took an unexpected turn, though, revealing a scene that has haunted Vander's waking thoughts for years. It betrayed the day he saw Morticia, the love of his life, joyfully laughing with nobles, including Torin. At that moment, Vander, now a fractured thing, observed this merriment from behind a rain-soaked windowpane, feeling his old life falling away to be replaced by something altogether darker. In the dream, however, the wooden horse stood beside Torin and rested its head on his shoulder. Perhaps Torin was more than just another suitor for Morticia's affections in Vander's absence. Perhaps Torin remained a genuine friend to the end. And maybe the past is not as it seemed. Vander's crooked mouth smiles as he wakes from this dream, which may have revealed something about Torin and about the enduring power of the friendship forged by two little boys. Oh, how totally cute. It veered wildly, didn't it? You said it was going to be nice and then it felt like it was going to be like a revenge fantasy. 
And, it, and then it was even dark. It was like, oh, van is usually dark, but this is even darker. And then it came back and it was quite nice. So yeah, a bittersweet, I'd say, Vander's lighter moments. And also, unfortunately, the his his present cast a shadow, doesn't it, over his past? Like the little gambling child is a little bit like the, you know, looking at Tiny Tim when you know there's just going to be an abandoned crutch in the corner. That's exactly what I was aiming for. All of the above. Perfect. Dickensian nightmare. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, th- I think Tiny Tim in this world is called Weenie Todd, is he not? Have we not already established that? That is law. 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 Hello, I'm Dave and I play Benny. Uh, my fact today is also dream-based. Regular viewers who don't exist, but regular listeners, may recall uh, Benny has a recurring dream about finding a hidden room in the orphanage where he grew up. But in recent weeks since the reckoning, the dream has changed somewhat. Now, as Benny discovers the hidden room in the orphanage, he hears a noise behind him and spins around. And in the corridor, he can see a figure, but the figure is backlit, so he can't tell who it is. And he calls out asking who it is. And just like in the night of that that reckoning, the voice replies, you don't recognize me, but you will. And Benny wakes up with a start. So uh, what is it about being in a... um... A cave pursued by the undead that makes everyone have really, really vivid dreams. Evander's dreams were nice dreams. (laughs) (laughs) And yet very vivid. (laughs) Definitely memorable. Also, is it possible that somewhere Benny's dreams disrespected Benny? (laughs) That's triggered him. (laughs) That was really good. So does does Benny have any idea who this person is at all? I know you said you can recognise him, but I wondered whether Benny has like an inkling. On the grounds that I don't have a clue... I'm going to say Benny doesn't have any idea either. I do like the idea that the characters might now know things that the players don't. Like they're going to take over from us. Someone accused us of, of being the case on the social, didn't they? That our, our characters were writing the stories rather than the players. So not accused, that's the wrong word. But someone mentioned that on the on, on one of our social <laughs> medias. We are literally incapable of praise. <laughs> <laughs> someone was like, are the characters writing their own stories? I was like, well, you could say that. I am Harry, and I'm playing a Tok, a imposing six-foot-eight automaton. Okay, stop right there. Okay, we can't go any further. I'm sorry. <laughs> Every time you tell the listeners how to feel by telling us that Tok is imposing, <laughs> you get away with it episode after episode. I'm calling it out. Maybe he means he's literally uninvited. You know, like people say, I don't want to impose, but he's just, he, he is, it's like he's sleeping on our sofa, but we haven't said it's okay. <laughs> okay. I'm going to withdraw the comment based on that possible interpretation. He is living rent-free in Charlie's head. That's a fact. That's canon. <laughs> I tell you, the number of times I thought about jumping in about that. Catchphrase now, isn't it? You, may, you, can't, you can't make your own catchphrases. I mean, he's literally done it non-stop since the podcast <laughs> began. Top likes our new orc allies. Uh, they're friendly, uh, competent. They dislike the Empire, uh, but especially they're in favour of keeping pets. But he's slightly worried about their animosity towards elves. So the Elastari were friends to Tick, and they're very kind to Tok when he was younger. They appreciate nature and their forest, Thanosil, uh, was very peaceful and sort of like a paradise. So Tok can't think why anybody would dislike them. The only one elf that he's ever met that was different was named Roskill on Steamrunner. And he was not like the others. Despite also opposing the Empire, he was uh, unpleasant, arrogant, and overly murderous. Maybe the orcs have only met the elf Rothskill 
and believe all Alastari to be just like him. Okay, well, firstly, I'm going to have to acknowledge that you got a lot of appreciative nods from the DM there. There was a lot of excellent <laughs> connections of lore. Nailed it, lore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's got a score high for those things. I have to say, I didn't pick up that the orcs really hated elves. Is that is that just a known? Is that was that obviously in the last episode? And I just missed that. Yeah, it's just a passive perception thing. You know, you just it's it's if the player can really you know pick up what the DM's saying. It's... He literally just said it, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you I'm... actually just say it? He said the Ella Starry, which I must admit, until Harry just said elves, I didn't realise what that meant. But he did say we don't like the Ella Starry. Ah, okay. And then he called them Vashtiks, which is an orcish insult. Oh no, I miss Vashtiks. What an obvious, <laughs> an obvious <laughs> phrase. I mean, you could have asked. I should have asked, to be fair. And I've just realised that these aren't compliments. (laughs) (laughs) Wait a second, these are criticism. (laughs) I thought we were talking as friends, but now I see that's not true. Can I chime in on the classic is Tok a sweetheart thing? Because Tok thought that the elf we met on the train was overly murderous, which suggests that Tok thinks there's a level of murderous, which is okay. Well, you know, just like our allies uh, were intending to assassinate the emperor, Tok's like, on board with that. Still, I think if someone if someone describes someone as like overly murderous, the person doing the <laughs> describing does appear to imply a certain degree of murderousness that's okay. So I just wanted to flag that for the is Tok a sweetheart debate. Yeah, the ever-deepening conundrum of whether Tok is a sweetheart or not. I thought that was a great fact, though. And Benny still thinks he could be friends with Rothskill. He still believes that's on the cards. I mean, Rothskill's dead. He fell to his death from the train. <laughs> that is not canon. It's like the Reichenbach Fall basically cannon he was fired out of the cannon onto the train line <laughs> i don't think you could compare falling off of the steam runner to falling off the Reichenbach falls there is famously sherlock holmes doesn't die from that you know spoiler alert for anyone who's still reading their way through those guys <laughs> someone who hasn't worked their way through arthur conan Doyle. also the point is he did die but arthur conan Doyle they had to bring him back Look, this is not the Sherlock Holmes podcast, for fuck's sake. This is Big Book. Oh, no, is it Tubrick? I've forgotten. Who- Big Holmes. <laughs> Big Holmes. <laughs> Who are we in the employ of? <laughs> well, I thought we were Big Holmes. I thought we meant like houses. I didn't realise we were Big Holmes. Why would Big Holmes need supporters? <laughs> I can see why Benny would, would get on well, and they're both making you good use of the window. I love a window. <laughs> Beautiful stuff. And on to Lothar Jeanette's Palace of Lies we go in this chapter of Dice Company. Previously on Dice Company, you guys entered the vault in the abandoned Dark Bank only to meet Axel Ronholm, an orc centurion leading a small group known as the 13th Company, members of the larger 9th Legion of the Army of Crimson Reach. Having successfully parlayed, both groups identified potential common ground and set off to the Northern Drift Mining Area, home to the potentially dangerous drow Lothar Jeneth. Having carefully negotiated the Umberhawk tunnels for days, you made camp beneath the entrance to the palace, allowing the 13th Company to scout the area and to give you all a couple of days rest. How have you spent those two days? 
So Tok has spent time with his herbalism kit and alchemist supplies. Uh, he's been brewing a couple of healing potions back at the camp, so he hasn't been out to observe the Palace of Lies. Augustus has been scribbling on a piece of paper, crossing it out, scribbling again, screwing up pieces of paper, throwing the pieces of paper into the fire, scribbling again. He's clearly working on something, but he can't quite get the words right. Uh, Benny has been doing three main things. Firstly, um, enjoying the company of the orcs, having a nice time with some new people and just having some general chats. Secondly, he's been taking himself off to quiet corners so that he can inhabit Missy and fly around as far as he is able looking for Lenny, but sadly to no avail so far. And thirdly, when he's had a few quiet moments, he has been uh, again taking himself off to a corner and just sitting quietly in a way that a casual observer may take for meditation. Mm. Um, can I have a charisma check, please? And a perception check. Charisma, 15. Perception, 20. Thank you very much. Vanda has been spending the last couple of days observing the palace, looking at it from different angles and sitting, just regarding it, scanning it with his singular eye. Give me a perception check, please, Vanda. As it's been two days of scannery, can I have that at advantage? My God, someone actually asking for advantage. Is that how that works? Traditionally, yeah, actually. I, I'm going to allow it. Why not? Amazing. Don't ask again, ever. <laughs> <laughs> that is a 24. Uh, Vanda, as you study the exterior of the palace for two days, amidst the natural ruggedness, a subtle irregularity catches your eye. Weathered by time, the stone facade bears the faint outline of a hidden passage, seamlessly blending with the surrounding rocky terrain. A closer inspection reveals a cunningly concealed lever. Fascinating. With that, Vanda's going to painfully rise to his feet, and satisfied he has now found the thing for which he was the thing he was looking for, he makes his way back towards the group. When you arrive there, Benny is sat in a corner with his eyes pure milky white. Benny, you have inhabited Missy, who is currently circling overhead. As she swoops around near the entrance to the palace, you notice in a rocky outcrop just outside of the drawbridge is Lenny the Dock. Ooh. Okay. Well, I immediately come back into Benny and I say, um, right, I've just spotted Lenny. I've got to go. And as stealthily, but as quickly as I can, I head out towards where I spotted Benny, uh, the plan being to pick him up unnoticed and return to camp without anyone ever seeing me. Benny, wait! Where did you see Lenny? Just um, over by that outcrop. Is that in sight of the palace? Will that take him? It will. He will need to do a stealth check in order to go unnoticed. Vanda looks at Benny and realising that this is something he has to do, says, I understand. I will inform the rest of the group and lets Benny slip away. Now it's a 10 for stealth because I am rushing. Oh God, I'm searching for a special dice. This can't, this can't be good. Moving quickly and quietly with his hood up across the front of the palace, Benny, you make your way over to the rocky outcrop where you saw Lenny the dog through Missy's eyes. And there he is, playfully running and skipping. And upon seeing you, he runs up to you and leaps into your arms and begins to lick your face. I pick him up, give him a quick cuddle and a bit of a stroke. I have a very quick look at him to see if there's something weird going on, noticeably. Give me an investigation check. 
That is a 16. He seems exactly as you remember him. And then I tuck him under my arm and make my way as quickly as possible back to camp as stealthily as possible as well. Let's have another stealth check. As a natural 20, or 26 total. The person watching Benny starts to doubt whether he himself is here. <laughs> like a whisper of wind, Benny with Lenny tucked under his arm returns to the group. The rest of you don't actually see Benny returning. Uh, Vanda's telling us that uh, Benny's uh, gone off like stealthily. Uh, Tuck will reply to Vanda, does Benny need assistance with his stealthy endeavor? No, I'm, I'm all right, thanks. Hiya. But Benny, Vanda informed us you had left. Vanda turns to look at Benny and simply says, I see. Yeah, I left and I come back. And look who I've got. Look who it is. Ah, Lenny the dog. And Vanda comes over to look at Lenny, still very perplexed as to how he could possibly be here. Does he look like he's not eaten for a long time? No, he looks fine. He, he looks exactly as he was when you last saw him. There's blood dripping down his fangs. Um, Vanda, is there is there a specific thing you're trying to ascertain about him? Yes, I'm interested in there in there being any magical properties here. Okay, give me an Arcana check. That's a fourteen. There don't appear to be any like untoward magical effects or anything like that, as far as you can tell. He just appears to be a dog. A most curious chain of events, Lenny. Uh, Augustus looks up from his mad scribbling and just goes, "Ugh," and then carries on scribbling. Oh, I've. I've got an idea, and I click my fingers, and with a he disappears. That would suggest that it's really Lenny, wouldn't it? Indeed, it might also be the wisest thing to make sure Lenny is not able to move around on his own free will at this point in time. Many questions to be answered there, I feel. I don't know who by, but yeah, you've got a point. Um, let's leave him in bag for now. Banda, you seem to be um, looking for something yourself. I was interested by the palace and how we might make our entrance, so to speak. With that in mind, I wondered if I could have a conversation with everyone gathered together. And with that, Banda gestures for the orcs and for our party to gather. The orcs join? I have surveyed the palace for two days now, and it seems possible to me there is a secret way in. At the base of one of the walls, I observed a lever and potentially a passage. May I make the suggestion that we aim to make use of this passage and steal into the palace unobserved? I would find this to be acceptable. Axel Ronholm, who's been listening carefully, says, I think it would make tactical sense if we split the party. Split the party? Where would you take your orcs? Straight to the front door. You aim to storm the palace then? In a manner of speaking, it would increase our chances as well. Two parties attempting to attack from different angles increases the chance of success twofold, no? Vanda considers, then says, Then I wish you luck, and turns to the party. I assume we are more predisposed to the stealthier entrance, gentlemen. Indeed, we should attempt stealth. I'm already filled with a confidence one rarely feels at the beginning <laughs> of a plan. 
says Vanda, feeling none of that. <laughs> I suggest we head on in front of our orc friends, as I suspect they will make much noise in their encounters. Augustus got a thing called Inspiring Leader, so I can spend 10 minutes inspiring my companions with a speech. <laughs> and that's going to give them temporary hit points. So I just have to do a speech, I think. Uh, so Augustus beckons to the orc and the party to gather, and he stands up on a soapbox and he says, Friends, comrades, automatons, we stand on the precipice of history. Beneath our feet, the sands of time, the olive branch, the haunting song of mixed metaphors. From here, the only way is up, or forward, or both. We must stand now, or march, or face annihilation. Together we do something truly memorable, though none may live to remember it. Nine minutes later. And as I was saying in the section of this speech relating to the mating habits of the banded mongoose, sometimes many must suffer for the good of the few. So come with me now. Let us throw ourselves into mild to moderate peril in the certain knowledge that, should we fail, no one will know or care. Vander turns to Benny, who sees that there's a tear rolling down from Vander's one eye. My God, that was beautiful. You know, Vander, it's a, it's a weird thing. I tuned him out after about five words, but I still feel really good, really pumped up. I don't understand it at all. Surely you didn't miss the part about the mongoose. The what now? Well, I dare not repeat it. It was too inspiring. <laughs> As the banded mongoose, we march. <laughs> and away we go. Certain's company, take arms. We attack now. Just before you leave, uh, Shay, one of the orcs, approaches Augustus. All right, that were pretty inspiring. You certainly managed to get the Centurion all riled up. Now listen, if you happen to come across Jack in your travels, he is a competent fighter. He's a little bit eccentric and he doesn't recognize you. Maybe a bit problematic. So if you do find him and can release him, give him this to show him that you're friends. And he reaches into his plate armor and he pulls out a rough looking piece of purple material and he kind of flicks it and a top hat appears and he hands it to you, Augustus. Understood. Should I encounter your brother, I shall certainly give him this straight away as a token of our friendship. Thank you, and good luck. Same to you, my good friend. Other strange token for an orc, one might think, Banda says while looking at the top hat. Are you sure, Banda? They do possess heads. Ah, yes. How silly of me. Thank you, Tok. As ever, a wonderful corrector of things otherwise missed. Speaking of missing things, I can't help but feel it would be to our advantage to beat our Orkin friends to the door, as they will, of course, not be taking care to be as stealthy as we plan to be. I would find that to be acceptable. I shall enter the bag. Just give me one sec. I'll be one second. And just kind of ducks around a little corner behind uh, behind some rocks and uh, just looks around, clicks his fingers. Lenny comes out and he's like, who's a good boy? Who's the best boy? Who is it? Is it you? You're the best boy. Yeah. Hello, Lenny. So good to see you again. And then back in the bag. <coughs> right. Ready to go. Reception checks for the others, please. <laughs> Talk. Yeah, say uh, a, a natural 20 for a uh, for a 22 there. Badler scores a 23. <laughs> a natural 20 for Augustus as well for 21. We percept everything. 
I mean, you've saved your excellent roll. It's a really critical moment. I mean, uh, Belly, would you like to attempt a uh, a stealth check to try and avoid them? Yes, I would. <laughs> I thought you might. Hopefully, I'll get a natural twenty-two. Twenty-one for stealth. Oh. Is this just to find out whether we see him petting the dog? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we wasted some real good rolls. Vanda and Tok, you both notice the little display of affection. I'm glad Augustus failed that one. So before he gets in the bag, uh, before Tok and Dick get in the bag, uh, Tok is going to um, take from his um, uh, alchemist uh, supplies two small like healing potions. And he's going to pass one to Benny and one to Vanda. Thank you, Tok. Vanda says, taking the vial and concealing it in his robes. Add healing potion to your inventories, please, Benny and Vanda. If I've understood the inspiring speech correctly, everyone should be adding 10 hit points as well, because it's my level, which is four, and my charisma modifier, which is six. Very good. Like it. Love everything about it. That's What a paladin. What? Genuinely, what a paladin. Tok, would you like to describe yourself getting in the bag? I mean, he's not doing the weird elevator thing, but uh, Tok will kind of just like open the bag and then put a leg in and sort of like, it's like someone trying to like move a small hula hoop over their body one sort of like, you know, limb at a time and he'll sort of just like fold himself up into it and uh, and then Tick will do the same. And having watched these six foot eight imposing automatons climb, clamber into the bag, the bag then falls to the floor looking like it's got nothing in it. Who is taking the bag of holding? I will. That Benny scoops up the bag. As Vander begins heading down, he realizes that stealth mode is needed, so he flips his cane around and wraps a small piece of cloth on the point so it doesn't click on the ground. <laughs> I like that so much I'm going to ignore the stealth mode comment, which is just <laughs> awful. As Benny is holding the bag, by the way, um, you'll see Tok's head just poke out slightly from the bag and he'll say, um, Augustus, attempt to make minimal noise. You are now guided, Augustus, in your stealthy attempts. Good lord. <laughs> uh, thank you, Tok. Wise advice. <laughs> and the head, like, top of the head just pops back into the bag and it's again empty. And with that, you head towards the secret lever encased in stone. Stealth checks, please, from Augustus, and you can be guided, and from Vanda, and from Benny, please. That's an 11 for Vanda. It's 15 for Benny. <sighs> A natural one for zero, plus four for the guidance. So I'm I'm only guided, only Tox telling me to shut up was the only thing that stopped me. Literally just banging the drums and letting off fireworks. So Benny carrying the bag of holding moving quickly and quietly, Vander hobbling behind his cane, visibly hitting the floor but making no sound, and Augustus struts out from the Umberhulk tunnels, clanking and flashing, as a quick look back tells you that the orcs are looking on with some dismay at the amount of noise that you're currently making. Maybe we should have sent Augustus with the orcs. That's actually not the worst idea, but she should have done that. Can I inspect the site more now I'm here? Yeah, give me an investigation check. Uh, so that's an 11. It does appear to be a standard lever that has been installed to open a secret entrance. I pull the lever. Goodness, someone opening a door or similar on their own. <laughs> my, I withdraw my hand as if burned. Any. <laughs> Quickly, servant, you do it. A door needs opening. 
With a single pull, the door appears from the rock face and slides open. The smell of rot and decay fill your nostrils, and all you can see in the darkness is the floor immediately going into a steep decline. It's about 45 degrees. Gentlemen, as I have a way of slowing my descent, I elect myself to go first in this instance. Well, if you're going to volunteer, then... Uh... Vatander then nods to the group and takes a tentative step forward. I'm going to take a kind of sliding position, as Vander's not going to be strong enough to handle the gradient, so he's going to have to kind of slide down. Uh, give me an athletics or acrobatics check, please. 20, unbelievably. Bracing yourself as you take one step forward because of the the steepness of the incline, you find yourself slipping on wet and moist stone, but you're able to keep your balance as you slide into the darkness and away from the others. Wow. Well, that was weird. And have a look around for a, a rock that I could tie my rope to. There is a rock nearby. It's a, you know, it's a cliff face, so there's lots of jagged rocks that you could tie rope to. I securely tie my rope to it and taking one end of the rope, walk comfortably down the slope taking the rope with me so that it's available for people who need to follow. Benny, you may give me a athletics or acrobatics check at advantage. Uh, that's 13 for acrobatics. You begin to descend into the darkness. Augustus, you are alone outside the Palace of Lies, having made a lot of noise to get here. Behind you, the orcs charge towards the main gate, giving you just enough time to make your way into the secret entrance. Do I know if they've reached my other guys have safely reached the bottom. Uh, all we've heard is Vanda say, wahoo, and disappear into darkness. Benny's rope is still tied at the top, right? Correct. So if I go down, we're leaving the rope behind. Um, so Augustus unhooks the rope, places his feet on the top of the slide, slides down, and as he goes, he goes, Tadotlia! <laughs> oh, God. I mean, had I made it to the bottom before he unhooked the rope? Can I have a dexterity saving throw, please? Benny and Augustus, can I have an oh, athletics or acrobatics check, please? <laughs> you just released the rope while Benny was using it as well. <laughs> but I think I've made so much noise, I might as well just slide down. Oh my god, that's amazing. My god. Uh, it's a 15 for my dexterity saving throw. And uh, Augustus gets six for athletics. Benny, as you're kind of carefully lowering yourself, but confidently, you know, it's not the first time you've used rope to gain access to places that might be more difficult for others. All of a sudden, the rope goes limp and you find yourself toppling backwards. You're able to adjust as you're falling into a kind of roll position and then you're almost surfing down the ramp in the same way that Vanda already has. As you reach what you know to be the bottom, because there's a weird ethereal glow, you can see Vanda just very calmly straightening himself up, placing his cane, obviously having a arrived there perfectly. Behind you, there is a clattering sound, which is filling the area. And just as you're about to brace yourself to jump off, Augustus barrels into you at high speed, knocking you both onto the ground landing with a heavy thud. Augustus, please take two bludgeoning damage. Oh, I'm, I'm frightfully sorry, Benny. I uh, you're rather in the way there. What the hell was that? Kind of hissing furiously, but trying to be as quiet as possible. That, my dear man, was the first son of Denosphere. It's definitely done. Why have you unhooked the rope? Oh, we don't want anyone following us down, Benny, and it's a fine rope. Who's following us down? It's a bloody empty tunnel. What if we need to get out this way? We made rather a lot of noise on the way down, Benny. Oh, did we? Gentlemen, I found a rope. 
Yeah. Benny, please calm yourself. We shall walk grandly from this palace as victors and owners of this these premises once we defeat its squatting incumbent. Are you capable of walking, Augustus? Are you sure you don't want to stomp? Maybe you could attach some symbols to your feet while you're on your way as well to make sure absolutely everybody hears you wherever you go. Hmm. An interesting proposal, Benny. Banda chuckles. That was good. <laughs> well... The first stage has been successfully completed. Now, shall we clutter in this direction? Vanda says, pointing at what I assume is the only way forward from here. So ahead of you is a darkened tunnel. It is clear that it doesn't have the same kind of carved opulence that the main entrance had. It is a, a roughly hewn basement. And as I mentioned before, the smell of rot and decay. Ahead of you is a singular tunnel. Benny sighs, infuriated that his very reasonable arguments are being completely ignored by his teammates. Loops up the rope, shoves it into his backpack. Presumably into Tok's face. <laughs> yeah, and then opens the bag of holding to get Tick and Tok out. Right, Tok will climb out first, followed by Tick. Now you come, lads. We've decided to uh, not bother being stealthy, apparently. So why not? Open season. Benny, are you sure that is wise? Stealth would appear to be the best approach. Yeah, that's what I thought too, but apparently, apparently that's not what we're doing. I agree, I think we have now entered the realm of your expertise, Benny. I wondered if you might consider scouting out the passageways in front of us. Oh, did you? Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> Fine. Fine. Why not? If Benny's scouting ahead, Tok might suggest he would just climb back into the bag. <laughs> Benny can carry him along. And if he needs, like, the heavy squad to come out, Tok can just climb out the bag into combat. So just to be clear, Benny is ahead of the rest of the group, carrying a bag of holding with Tok's head, presumably just stuck out of it looking around. <laughs> yeah, and ticking the rest of the bag, yep. <laughs> 360 view. Do like perched on his shoulder kind of thing. <laughs> the world's weirdest parrot. Yeah, so I use my divine sense to see if there are any undead fiends, etc., within 60 feet. Augustus, Ahead of you is a tunnel with a sharp left turn, which Benny is currently slowly moving towards. You sense that around 30 feet ahead of his current position, there are six undead creatures. Okay, Augustus quickly whispers that to Vander. Benny, six undead ahead of you. Can you describe again where I am? Is there any kind of one route through by the looks of it? There is a, a singular tunnel which you are currently making your way down. It is around 30 feet long and you're about 20 feet ahead of the rest of them 10 feet ahead of you there is a sharp left turn you haven't yet reached the corner so you can't see round it i would like to edge slowly up to the corner as quietly as i possibly can and then i would like to take my mirror out of my backpack and have a look around the corner using that without kind of stepping out so with the mirror purchased in, in Sleetome, you crouch down with Tok's head on your shoulder and place the mirror around the corner. As you stare down, you can see stood atop a raised platform around 30 feet down the corridor is a zombie. The zombie appears to be gesticulating and groaning. There's no other route that I can identify that doesn't take us. There is not an obvious one. You can give me an investigation check if you'd like to spend some time looking for an alternative route. I would like to do that. 23. Thoroughly investigating the area while remaining hidden from the zombie who is currently gesticulating 30 feet to the south. 
you find that the wall directly ahead of you has some strange elements to it. That if you were able to find the right loose stone, you could push it and create a door. There is a small, slightly out of place stone in the bottom right hand corner. I'll give it a push. You push it, and with a loud rumbling, the stone facade begins to move to the left. Creating a new way forward directly ahead of you. Let's look in my mirror and see if any of the zombies have noticed this. The only zombie you can see does not appear to have noticed. I guess I'll um, work my way very quietly back to my comrades and let them know the situation. There is this new doorway, but there are zombies away to the south, and we're going to have to be sneakier than we have been if we want to make it through the door without anyone noticing. Bander taps his silenced cane on the ground to indicate he's ready for sneaking. Tox's hand will appear just like beside his head <laughs> with the, uh, the little tablet on it that will read, there is no more room in the bag of holding. Or Augustus. We're like the Adams family. <laughs> and then the hand with the tablet will just go back down. Into the... <laughs> um, you look at Augustus and he's got one hand flat on the wall. He's got his foot in his hand and he's stretching out his quad as though somehow not having loosened up was the problem with the last stealth. So Benny says, so what do you reckon? If we decide to go fighting route, we could maybe get a bit of a jump on him. If you reckon there's no chance of us sneaking past. But I suggest we try the stealthier route. Can't hurt to try. I mean, it can, but yeah, I think I probably agree. Again, Tox's uh, little tablet will come out and uh, anybody looking at it will read, maybe tie baffles under Augustus's feet like Vander's cane. And then hand will just again, just go back into the bag like a periscope. Thus, uh, it'll be uh, guidance for Augustus. Just so you're aware, the corridor ahead is around 10 feet wide. Could attempt to leap from the unseen position that you are currently in into the unseen position ahead. Let me try the athletic route. Me and Vander sneak past first and then okay. you jump it. Uh, Benny and Vander are going to go ahead and then, assuming that's successful, Augustus is going to leap after us. 13 for Vander. Uh, I've been taking some tips from the Augustus Zeno School of Stealthiness and I've got an 8. Let's have the, uh, the athletic check because it's all going to happen in quite quick succession. So, long jump. Ooh. Natural 20 for 23. I sail over my noisy compatriots and land light as a feather. Decided to go first, Vander, with the non-clip-clopping sound of his staff, is able to very quickly and effectively move almost through the shadows, getting through. Simultaneously, Benny attempts to stealth as Augustus barges past him and long jumps into the darkness, quick as you like. Benny, as you're halfway across the 10-foot wide corridor, the zombie that you saw previously looks at you and lets out a roar. Oh dear. With hindsight, should have taken those crampons off. Behind your, your ear, Benny, you'll hear alarm. Roll for initiative, please. Uh, that's six for Augustus. 19 for Tok. Three for Vanda. 23 for Benny. Where was that roll a minute ago? Top of the round with Benny. I am going to take a couple of steps forward until the corridor narrows. And then I am going to scatter 
ball bearings in front of me uh, all across this corridor making it very difficult for anyone who wishes to pass my word the ball bearings what fun benny pulls out the bag and scatters ball bearings all over the floor in a 10 foot square in front of him and then i'm going to dart backwards to a point where i've got a nice clear shot to any prone zombies man in the bag tuck now a man out of the bag so tuck and tick will both one after the other climb out of the bag holding um, and then when it is sort of empty afterwards grab it put it in a back in the backpack with the remaining movement they'll both move up in front of the party just behind where the ball bearings are tock will ready some of the small pebbles they've been using as uh, as missiles yes he'll ready them past past one a uh, couple to tick and he will launch his own tick point have time to be able to launch his though it hits for a 17. is a hit please roll for damage is nine damage Ooh. so having clambered out of the bag tock and tick take up a kind of vanguard position at the head of the party stood behind the ball bearings laid by benny they each take their magical pebbles with only tock throwing it flicking it and it just goes clean through the shoulder of the single zombie you can see at the end of the corridor the zombie barely bats an eyelid if it had eyelids which it doesn't and continues to groan Okay, Tok and Tick will draw their swords and uh, shields and prepare to meet a, I would say charge, but like an amble. Now the zombies. Surely we have higher initiative than a zombie. Well, you'd think so. The single zombie you can see shambles forward, hole in its shoulder from the magical pebble. Its foot touches the ball bearings. It flips in a hilarious comedy fashion and lands on its back, kind of groaning and rolling around. <laughs> as it joins the minus one club on its dexterity saving <laughs> Welcome, dear zombie. A second zombie appears around the corner, shambling forward. It also steps onto the ball bearings, flips in a comedy fashion, and lands heavily on its back. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> Amazing. The corridor suddenly fills with six zombies, but the two that have slipped and fallen have caused something of a backlog. Augustus. Thunder old chap, do you see any value in stealth any longer? I rather think stealth has been exhausted as an option for us. Vander says, while taking his flintlock out from under his robes. Wonderful. Uh, and Augustus draws Ember, mutters the word Ember, yells, Turn off the and bowls around the corner. Oh, no. The sword erupts in flame. Okay, so Augustus goes to here. Dexterity saving throw, please. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, oh, God. Dexterity, my old friend. Fuck a duck. Always. Uh, so, four. Augustus has a chat with Vander, is happy that they're no longer stealthy, draws Ember, yells the word Ember and ignites. He then yells to Nothia, charges round the corner, past Tock and Tick, straight into the ball bearings, slips, and lands on his ass. <laughs> Just before he does, he hears talk behind him say, Augustus, alarm. Panda, who has seen this all unfold, but has drawn his flintlock. Your turn. Panda looks down at the fallen Augustus and then back up at the zombies. Rather than fire, I'm going to essentially take a, a holding action. If they approach Augustus, I'm going to let rip with the flintlock. So I just level it 
Augustus, maybe an idea to come back to cover. I imagine I'm about to do a kind of slapstick comedy tries to stand up on ball bearings scene. <laughs> You're going to do the wet bandits. <laughs> back to the top of the round with Benny. Benny surveys the situation and can't really work out a way to assist Augustus. So decides just to have a shot at a prone zombie. Seems like a useful thing to do. And I'm assuming I can use a sneak attack. Yeah, you can. Go for it. So that's a 17 to hit. Is a hit. Please roll for damage. No, the total of 15. Benny, tell us a story. Benny takes aim at the prone zombie, his favourite kind of opponent, one who is in no position to fight back, and is able to take his time, line him up, and put one straight into the zombie's forehead. And he just sags down where he is already laying. So for my bonus action, I am going to use my mage hand and the mage hand is going to endeavour to sweep away some of the ball bearings around Augustus to make it easier for him to stand up the next time he tries. <laughs> I don't even think about that. Yeah, yeah so uh, Benny knocks an arrow, fires it at the zombie, taking it down, and then with a wave of his hand, the magical mage hand, wipes away the ball bearings around Augustus. Um, Augustus, can I have a constitution saving throw, please? Yay. 14. Benny having killed the zombie, there is a sudden puff of ash that fills the air. Now, Augustus, despite your prone position, you're able to kind of wave the ash so that none of it gets into your lungs. The zombie, which has appears to have kind of let off this ash, then groans as it rises up, pulls itself up over Benny's arrow and stands ready to fight again. Tuck and tick. Since, since this one's getting back up, uh, that's probably the one that Tok's going to go for rather than the one standing behind it now. Okay, so Tok will attack and then, yeah, Tick will um, will drag Augustus uh, back uh, five feet and, I mean, attempt to lift him up, I guess. Yeah, give me an athletics check for Tick and do an attack for Tok. Tick rolls a 10 and Tok is back to his old self with his attacks, uh, so he gets a an 8 uh, to attack the to hit the, uh, the zombie, rolling a natural one. A natural one. Tick is able to drag Augustus five feet back and away from the zombies as Tok flicks another pebble, which harmlessly clatters down the corridor. Uh, the zombie who has risen up moves forward. Unfortunately, having risen up in dramatic fashion, he steps forward five feet and slips on the ball bearings once again, <laughs> <laughs> crashing to the ground. You might be dealing with six unkillable enemies. The second zombie rises up from the ground, steps forward, so the zombie is going to take an attack at Augustus at advantage. As he goes to attack Augustus, Banda's going to let rip with the flintlock. Boom! Do it! Okay. Banda rolls a five. Uh... Which is a miss, unfortunately. Once again, Fanda sees the zombie heading towards Augustus, pulls out the flintlock, and with a bang, which echoes around the corridor, a portion of wall is blasted away, unfortunately, doing no damage. Damn it. The zombie, cumbersome as it is, swings its arm at Augustus, who is prone, but misses itself. Behind it, the other zombies begin to move. This zombie fails its dexterity check and falls <laughs> on its ass. <laughs> oh, but this one passes and is able to move forward to complete passing its friend, the kind of almost dead zombie, and moves to attack Tok with a nine. 
not even close. No. Uh, so it, it limply just kind of smashes its forehand against Tox's shield. Augustus. Yes, I'm going to stand up first. Uh, so that's just using some of my movement, which I obviously don't need. And then I'm just going to hit the guy with Ember. Roll the attack. That is 23. Is a hit. Please roll for damage. That's nine piercing damage. Very nice. So yeah, Augustus, having dragged himself to his feet after being dragged out of combat by Tick, pulls up Ember and slashes across the chest of the zombie that is moving slowly towards him. Vander. Vander's looks at his flintlock slightly irritated at the missed shot and then giving it a little shake as if to check that it's still working extends his other hand and gives one of the zombies a push using your ancient rojan technique mentally you prepare to push the zombie managed to roll a one and a zero on the two rolls it needed to do so it is pushed back and immediately slips on the ball bearings collapsing in a heap next to it's friend. Augustus, if you would like to do a attack of opportunity, you are welcome to do so. Absolutely, yes, please. So that is 11. Is a hit. Please roll for damage. Nine fire damage. As Vander pushes the zombie away, you, with a beautiful whipping technique, you manage to take the hand off of the zombie as it then steps back onto the ball bearings, slips into the air and lands with a thud. Jesus, they're tough then. He's taken 18 damage and he's still basically fine. Handless, I guess. That's the top of the round with Benny. Benny shouts, what's what's going on? I put one of them down and he's back up. Anyone got any ideas? I believe that is a trait of the undead. <laughs> I'm going to keep shooting at him until someone gives me a better idea in that case then. Sounds like a plan, Benny. As Vander continues to reload his flintlock. <laughs> I'll shoot at one that is standing up. 25 is a hit. Please roll for damage. 14. Benny, you, you knock an arrow and fire it directly into the zombie. The arrow pierces it in a shoulder and drags it, pinning it to the wall to the side. The zombie groans in pain, but it cannot move from its current spot. Having seen that Augustus's fiery sword seemed to be having better effect, I managed to cut the hand off and it didn't seem to grow back. I'd like to see if I can like treat some of my arrows by dipping them in... Uh, Getting them maybe some strips of fabric and dipping them in oil and setting them, starting to create some like Molotov arrows. I'm going to say you can do it, but you would not be able to use them until the turn after next. Right, I think I'll do that. Tok. Tok and Tick are going to take a simple approach and uh, attack the zombies apart with swords. Uh, so an 11 to hit. Is a hit. And 11 damage. Tok, tell us a story. I mean, I think Tok's just going to um, cut down straight to the top of his head, cleaving it in two. Just simple and efficient. Augustus, DC 10 constitution saving throw, please. A 10. So that's fine. Another another kind of puff of ash appears and you've just wafted it away from you without taking any effects. He's used to the peasants making uh, horrible smells. And the zombie, having collapsed to the floor, lets out a death rattle, but doesn't rise. Ah, awesome. Okay. Okay, no, actually, Tick is going to fire one of the uh, the pebbles at the zombie ahead. So he rolls a, uh, a, a, a natural one, uh, which still results in a, an eight. But uh, does a natural one always miss? Natural one in combat always misses, unfortunately. So, unfortunately, that's a miss. The pebble, once again, rattles away into the darkness. And uh, uh, Tok will advance beside Augustus. The zombies. So... They all get up from their prone position. This one moves forward. 
and they're going to attack the people directly in front of them. So the one on the left attacks Tuck for a 14. A disadvantage, but that misses. And the other one attacks Augustus for five. So they both ineffectively just kind of pour at you, doing zero damage, never really threatening to do any. Augustus. Now, is it possible? So I've got a theory that this is the reanimate. This probably doesn't make sense, but the reanimation of the zombie that died. There's one zombie at the back that looks different. I'm going to assume he's the leader zombie, or at least the union rep. And <laughs> um, so I'm going to. Is it? Is there a way I could attempt to kill him? So I appreciate there's someone in the way, but is it possible for Augustus to NFL style hurdle the guy in front, somersault, and bring the sword down with both hands to cut the head off the guy behind? It's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Mechanically, it's impossible. <laughs> and yet, because of the potential to really hurt you... <laughs> oh, yeah, this is, there's so many ways this could go wrong. We are going to have a acrobatic check at disadvantage first. Onto full barracks. Augustus Sino, Paladin, running back <laughs> acrobatics is dexterity as well which is not my strong suit as we know at disadvantage as well please yeah uh, if top could give guidance for it so the guidance would be don't do this <laughs> <laughs> well he can't so shut up exactly <laughs> that is a seven it's actually better than i was expecting uh, augustus you attempt to magnificently leap over the first zombie having in your mind identified the leader zombie whatever that means. You attempt to basically spring jump over him. You completely mistime it and you land with your legs around the head perched on the shoulders of the zombie in front of you. The zombie kind of sways slightly and then <laughs> forcefully drills you in a power bomb onto the floor, <laughs> knocking you prone and doing six bludgeoning damage to you. Six bludgeoning, that's good, that's fine. And you are not prone once again. And that is the end of your turn, very obviously. I think that went well. Vanda, you've just seen some pretty impressive professional wrestling. Yeah, uh, Vanda's obviously in that moment, clearly Augustus is prone. So Vanda's going to take a step forward and say, Ah, an opening. Uh, he's going to level the flintlock and blaze away. At advantage, please. An 18. Is a hit. Yes. Please roll for damage. And that's 12 damage. With a boom, the flintlock goes off and takes a huge chunk out of the shoulder and the side of the face of the zombie who just powerbombed Augustus. It groans as it staggers back under the force of the attack. But it is still standing. Vanda begins to reload. Benny, you're up. Well, Benny is still fiddling with his arrows, desperately trying to tear off strips of material from his cloak, wrap them around the arrows uh, and douse them in oil and using his uh, tinderbox to try and get them lit. Oh. Okay, Tok is going to, uh, again, efficiently cut at the head of the zombie in front of him. That is a 15 to hit. Is a hit. 11 slashing damage. Tell us the story. Uh, again, in a simple downwards cutting motion, he tries to basically split the head of the zombie um, in front of him. You swing your sword of tuck down at high speed, slicing the zombie's head in half from top to throat. The zombie collapses to the floor with a thud and does not get back up. Kick behind. Uh, so Augustus 
in front of him is prone at the moment. Uh, Tick will use this opportunity to uh, to launch another pebble at the zombie in front. 16 to hit. Is it? Please roll for damage. Gets a uh, 9 damage, bludgeoning. Tick flicks another pebble which goes through the eye socket of the zombie who's already got half of his face missing. He groans and sways looking incredibly unwell at the moment. Zombie time! The zombie moves forward. Oh, and passes its dexterity saving throw. Ha <laughs> ah, ha. Suck it. I knew it. He's so overjoyed. He's going to swing at top with a natural 20. Ah, God damn it. Get some. You were saying, you were saying something about how the, the DM's not against you. Yeah. <laughs> He's on our side. <laughs> He's the David Attenborough of this D&D. <laughs> Please take four slashing damage. Whilst it doesn't damage Tok himself, it does take some of the shine off Augustus's earlier speech. Damn that speech. The zombie who powerbombed Augustus before having its shoulder, half of its face and its eyeball blown up and ebbled, uh, is going to attempt to attack the prone Augustus. And yet Tick, uh, with his shield, will move to protect uh, Augustus on the floor in front of them, imposing disadvantage on the attack. For a grand total of 18? Uh, AC's 19, I think. Ah, awesome. So with Tick's protection, the zombie is attempting to bash down in a mounted position, but Augustus is having none of it. This zombie is going to move up, and he slips and falls in the ball bearings. (laughs) Phenomenal work, zombies. You are the best. Augustus. Now, is the guy behind the guy I'm fighting, is he standing up or has he fallen over? He is stood. Okay, so here's what I'm thinking. The guy in front of me is really wounded. So if I jump up like a ninja, kick Tick in the chest to propel myself forward and then stick the sword out like a lance, I can stick it through the zombie in front of me and also skewer the guy behind. Oh my God. I'm determined to get an epic zombie kill here. I'm going for a twofer. It's somehow more preposterous <laughs> and more mechanically wrong than anything else you've done, which is saying something as the most... I am a strict adherent to the rules of this game. Wild card is what you are. Right, we're going to have an athletics check from you, a oh, constitution fucking. saving throw from Tick, and then if both of those succeed, then we're going to have an attack roll, and we'll take it from there. Right, so 12 for athletics is the start. That's a great start. That's actually, that is great for my athletic skills. Oh, no, hang on, sorry. Athletics, not acrobatics. 15 for athletics. Uh, uh, Tick gets a 14 for his constitution. Oh, now we roll in. Okay, and can I have an attack roll, please, Augustus? Oh, my God. 22. Can I have a second attack at disadvantage, please? Come on. 11. And can I have, can you roll for damage, please? 10 fire damage. Augustus. Pierce thy heart, foul creature. Tell us the story of how you killed the first zombie before moving on to damage the second. I smashed the sword into his chest. And his poorly assembled, decomposing body falls into its constituent bits. The bones going one way, the flesh going another. It's an absolute fucking mess. And then, like a dart into a dartboard, it digs through that and into the next guy. Where it buries itself in his chest. Tick, unfortunately, does not survive the encounter with a jumping Augustus uh, and is pushed back five feet 
and must take one damage, please. Which uh, also will come off the um, the speech that was given earlier. So Augustus thinks, sorry, Tick, slash you're welcome. Obviously the end of your turn. I'm not going to let you do anything else. Vanda. I wink at this zombie. You do not. It's not your turn. Vanda. You can see that I'm about to wink. Peanut gallery. <laughs> I can't resist continuing this. Vanda focuses his efforts on Augustus's new assailant and goes for a, a mage hand push to try and throw him out of combat so he can finish what he started. Okay. Yes. And that's a natural one for <laughs> minus one again. Why did the zombies elect this guy leader? I don't think he's the leader. He's 100% the leader. We're going to find out. He's their democratically elected leader. The zombie wearing the wooden crown is pushed suddenly by Vanda using his mystical Rujan powers. Augustus, would you like to take an attack of opportunity? Oh my. Don't mind. 20. Here's a hit. Please roll for damage. Wouldn't it be good if Augustus said, nah, not bothered. Not very, not very honourable. Attack of opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and that will be six fire damage to my mighty king zombie foe. Nice. Um, you slash down, taking two fingers off of his hand as you do so, in a classic dueling wound, or so I'm told. This time I definitely wink at him. And you wink at him. Ah! <laughs> Benny! Benny is absolutely baffled that the team seem to have returned to their nonsensical ways of our early battles. But nonetheless, Benny has now completed his task of um, creating some arrows that can be set alight. Therefore, he sets up an arrow, gets the tinderbox, sets it alight, and aims at this chap who is currently engaged with the... Uh, well, he's engaged with the couple of people, isn't he? Roll at advantage. 20. It's a hit. Roll for damage. Uh, that is 11 fire damage. Tell us the story. Benny sets the arrow alight, cocks his bow, fires it off quickly before he sets his fingers on fire and it flies straight and true and into the zombie's chest where it catches flame and he drops to the ground and as he hits the ground his body explodes into ash i shout looks like fireworks tock tock will reply to benny with a cloud of ash is a poor firework that's your bonus move what else you got? <laughs> yeah. uh, so um, Tick will advance up to behind Augustus and both of them will launch their uh, the magic pebbles, magic stone at the um, the zombie nearest. Not the zombie king leader, just one of the normal zombies. Top gets a 19 and Tick gets a uh, 22. Both hits. Roll for damage. Uh, Tock gets a 7 and Tick gets and 11. With the two almost identical automatons stepping forward, they begin flicking their pebbles as chunks of the zombie fall away with every hit. It looks like it wavers slightly, but is just, just standing. The zombie king, as you've dubbed him. My opposite number. Yeah, it's nice to meet a worthy opponent. Steps forward and the sound of crunching as it steps onto the ball bearings, but does not fall over. He lunges to bite Augustus. Uh, and uh, Tick is going to attempt to uh, to protect Augustus again. And that's a natural one. Aha. He kind of lunges forward, and as he goes to bite, Tick's hand just reaches over Augustus's shoulder, puts it directly onto the face of the zombie king, 
and pushes him away. Denied. <laughs> uh, the other zombie is going to attack Augustus for 18. It's not enough, is it? It's 19. The other zombie tries to attack from the side, um, but gets nowhere through the thick armor, the thick splint armor of Augustus. Augustus, you're retort. Augustus looks at his worthy foe, the zombie king, and in reference to the attempted bite, says, Sir! Uh, and then attempts to hit him with ember. Roll to hit. 23. Is a hit. Please roll for damage. Uh, five fire damage. Augustus, tell us a story. Oh, yeah. Augustus whips his flaming rapier around and neatly slices the crown off the zombie king's head, obviously taking the portion of the head that was in the crown off too. The crown lands at Augustus's feet and the zombie king tips over backwards and explodes into a yogurty mush. He does. Constitution saving throw, please, Augustus. <laughs> oh, fuck off. <laughs> uh, that is 18. It's fine. So yeah, so there's a puff of ash and you just once again what it away like it's nothing. And at his feet is the wooden crown of the zombie king. Although I never said zombie king, he called it zombie king. Well, I, I, you've said it several times now. Augustus is in your head. Banda. Banda steps forward. And from the zombie's perspective, I think he'd be looking at a shield wall of tock and tick between those two shields. Suddenly, the muzzle of a flintlock is visible and Vanda pulls the trigger. 20. Is a hit. Please roll for damage. Here comes the short appendage of Vanda. Eight. <laughs> Vanda, tell us a story. Uh. As the zombie advances on Tick and Tock, it sees the flintlock appear between their two shields. A blinding flash of light and the zombie is torn apart with a hail of shrapnel, scattering its bones and effluence against the wall by which it stands. And we are out of combat. Augustus <laughs> <laughs> looks sadly at the crown and thinks that the zombies are really onto something with their constitutional monarchy. And it's a shame it had to come to this. I thought you'd been staring with barely contained lust at a crown. <laughs> what, you think Augustus wants to be the zombie king? We've seen you want before. Well, that went well, I thought. I thought that was very smooth. Smooth ride. <laughs> I thought it was going to go a lot worse when the first guy died and got back up. Yeah, I was like, well, true. what is going to happen here? We're just going to get slowly whittled down by unkillable enemies. I was going to say, Lothar's set his whole castle up to look like a kind of Home Alone-esque, you know, filled with traps and stuff, but then watched us get in and self-sabotage and just thought, I've wasted a lot of time here. <laughs> I did fall over his micro-machines, except they were put down by our own team. <laughs> <laughs> say, we already had to kill a zombie king, for God's sake, you know? Thank you. <laughs> Oh. I hope this isn't the meeting of all the zo zombie kingdoms, because there could be more zombie kings in here. <laughs> like the warriors, but the zombies. All the zombie, all the zombie gangs have gone to a single location to see if they can become an army of zombies. I was going to say, we've, we've accidentally invaded the convention of the zombie kings. <laughs> well, Augustus will have many crowns by the end of today, then, you bastards. He powerbombed a few times as well. By the way, Augustus is picking up that crown and adding it to his box of inventories fucking hell box of inventories what does that even mean <laughs> i was gonna say what your box of crowns confused halfway through that sentence and then ended up with i tried to say adding it oh fucking hell <laughs> nope <laughs> we met these zombies in a toilet and one of them was wearing a hat <laughs> and now you've beaten the zombie king <laughs> why is that guy wearing zombie pants on his head <laughs> he must be some kind of zombie king <laughs> He was described as a crown. He's a zombie king. Why would he be wearing a crown if he wasn't a zombie king? I only added the crown after you 
declared him the zombie king. Well, thank you. It was always just pads. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Well, he said it was like a wooden circlet thing, so it could have been a toilet seat. <laughs> <laughs> Songs will be sung out, don't worry. Well, he's not king of this corridor anymore, is he? Because I cut his head off. <laughs> no, you deprived him of his toilet seat. <laughs> the real... Yeah, that is ruining this for me. <laughs> With puffs of ash pointing through the dark tunnel ahead, you prepare yourselves to push on, safe in the knowledge that you at least successfully won one combat in the hall of the Zombie King. And we'll end it there. Humans of Dice Company would like to thank the following sweethearts for their support. S.J. Fionix, Richard Ungermus, Rabbi Camel, Deem Vander, Path Pursuit, Paris Pakar, Julia Zeno, Shovels, Mama Strange, Queenie, Liz Beckett, Axel Runholm, Shay Benton, Chris from North London, Thanks for listening, everyone. And now over to our Terran Cryer, Alex, for an update on the Dice Company universe. Hello. So we've, as always, had loads of replies to our various inane ramblings on social media. So at the turn of the year, we asked, uh, how are you going to be more like your TTRPG character in 2024? And someone called Aria Underground said, I will throw myself into a crucible, die, experience a thousand years of life cycle of the universe and be reborn, naked and crying and exultant into a world I will change. Or maybe I'll just start keeping a journal. I haven't decided yet. <laughs> uh, Zeus Legion replied, Pickpocket more often, talk to people only I can see, use more noir slang in conversations, and complain about space union dues. Or do I have to pick just one? <laughs> noir slang sounds like a lot of fun. It does. It's amazing. I actually kind of enjoy the talking to people only I can see. <laughs> <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> and speaking from Benny's point of view, the more pickpocketing uh, was right up my street. So. Ticking all the boxes. Uh, so we got millions of replies to ask when we asked, what's your golden rule for playing TTRPGs? Wrong answers only. So Arturatron replied, every TPK is a notch on the GM's belt. GMs are sustained by the tears of their players. To crush your players, <laughs> seeing their character sheets thrown away and hear the lamentations of their NPC allies. <laughs> Absolutely spot on. It's supposed to be better, like wrong answers. I mean, I'm up to six now, TPK, so. <laughs> uh, Lucy replied, all NPCs and animals are placed in game to be adopted and you've got to catch them all. I feel like we live by that rule. Yeah. <laughs> we do. Mobile zoo going along. Um, Stephen Lacoste. Olakoski says, your job as a DM is to bring the party to the verge of tears and just hold them there. How am I doing? <laughs> so pretty, well. <laughs> pretty damn good. <laughs> I, I, don't know, I feel like it's the other way around more often. Correct. <laughs> it's definitely a two-way street, isn't it? <laughs> uh, Harmony Ginger said, the rules are just suggestions and it's more fun when the players have unlimited creative freedom. The only rule you need at your table is the rule of cool. It's difficult for me to argue against that, really, after what just happened in combat with those zombies. <laughs> yeah, Augustus might have uh, exploited that to some extent. Um, Pink Fohawk said, All sessions will start with characters getting injected with a powerful toxin 
and will be dead within 120 days unless they find the antidote. Which I actually like. I think that's quite a cool idea. <laughs> Augustus gets injected with King Zombie. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't surprise me that comes from Pink Fauxhawk. Their podcast is exceptional and people should check it out. Uh, another podcast from Dice of Thunder podcast said, if you don't declare that you have dark vision within 10 seconds of entering any cave system, you are blind for the rest of the session. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, the D20 Future Show says, when playing with new players, pay a friend to pretend to join the group. Then five minutes in, when they question a ruling, order them to leave your house and burn their character sheet as a lesson to the newbies. You will find them much more compliant after this. Oh my god, that's such a good idea. One act of unhesitating violence. Chevalier <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, Malfet said, The real purpose of a t any TTRPG is as a platform to express your personal political views and ideology. So pull up a soapbox and preach to us. We are so very desperate for your wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> was this the inspiration for your speech earlier <laughs> <laughs> well that that and this from professor craft uh, he said whenever you roll the dice you should need to look up the result in at least three tables one of which is written in ancient greek <laughs> uh, and then we had so we then we had a poll about our being chased by zombies which said you're on a stagecoach being chased by a horde of zombies the road ahead is blocked you can get off the coach and run or enter a solid looking building, a disused bank, to the left. Uh, and so we had 529 votes. 60% went for into the building. 25% went for run for it. 15% went for something else. Uh, one of the something else was the bearded fan who said, immobilize one of your companions to be bait for the zombies and run for it. <laughs> uh, Vander, is that you I on mean, social media or? Do you need to immobilize? Panda, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I was gonna say, <laughs> we could have spoke to it. I actually thought Penny was going to do that on his own. It was a real shock to us all <laughs> when he came into the bank. <laughs> Go on, chum. Uh, the clerk side said, I'm a necromancer. I tell them to clear the path and announce my coming. <laughs> and then he's got like a gif of a skeleton playing a bone as an instrument with the caption angry dooting <laughs> kind of, you can kind of really hear that I can really hear the angry dooting <laughs> yeah I'll do this one as well it's the last one um, so uh, Paul Pearson said is there enough room to make a U-turn without losing much speed which we said there was and he said I'm thinking full on charge and have everyone throw whatever spells or abilities they have into it enlarge the coach Make some runaway using arrows or arrows or spears. Wild shape into an animal that can pull the coach faster. I think it, I think it speaks to our heroism levels that we didn't even consider that. No. Or anything along those lines. I mean, the, the bank had loot as well, so really. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, that was the main draw, wasn't it? Zombies yeah, absolutely. Was, was barely even enough. Saving our own worthless lives was a distant second to the potential for loot. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to die with gold in my hands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really liked as well that Panda took a fairly risky route down there and, yeah. then, and then Benny did something imminently sensible and nope. then was sabotaged. So good. No, you don't oh. kill zombie kings by being sensible. <laughs> you killed an undead guy wearing a toilet seat. <laughs> no, you've, have you, any of you killed a zombie king? That's my question. I would argue that none of us have killed a zombie king. <laughs> 
Well, if you had a multiple choice and said which member of the Dice Company Quartet has killed a zombie king, which one are you going to be? Which one are you going to tick? You have to gun to your head, flintlock to your head. Which one are you going to tick? I'm going to look not that concerned if it's Vanda holding the flintlock to my head. Just to be honest, <laughs> we're going to go for E. None of the above. <laughs> Bullshit. Anyway, the main thing is Lenny's back. Lore. Thanks for listening. Please consider supporting Dice Company on Patreon, where for the price of a cup of coffee, you get access to a whole other show, Extra Roll, as well as an ad-free listening experience. The Dice Company Discord server, along with our socials, can be found on our link tree in the show notes. If you enjoyed this chapter, please like and subscribe, and don't forget to recommend us to your friends. If you didn't like it, recommend us to your enemies. And we'll see you next time on Dice Company. Dice Company.